book of 2 Corinthians tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Thank you ladies for the music. And as always, the music is a blessing and it is one of the highlights of coming to church. But it's not quite as good as the preaching, I will, I will say that. But it is uh, a blessing and uh, I'm just trying to get you to wake up tonight. Uh, you seem a little dead, but we'll see. I'll preach till you get alive. I don't care how long it takes. Um, but I, I kind of understand what you might be going through this evening. Have you ever gotten somewhere and realized that you forgot something or you pack for a trip and you're going through the checklist? Oh, did I, did I turn the, turn, turn the iron off? Oh, did I turn the stove on? We left at 7 a.m. Why is the stove on? You know, did it go through all this checklist? Well, just a moment ago, I opened my Bible to, uh, just look at my text and my notes are not in my Bible. My notes are sitting on my desk over in the annex, and so I thought there very quickly. Now, I didn't discover this at the beginning of the service. I discovered this just a moment ago, and so I thought very quickly, well, do I run over there? Do I send somebody over there? Uh, so I think I'm just going to try and preach this message by memory tonight, and so I'll go ahead. Those of you that are watching by live stream, get comfortable uh, get you a cup of coffee. Uh, if you're if you're if you're new at this, it's not a good thing when the pastor doesn't have his notes because the notes keeps him right on track. Uh, but when he doesn't have his notes, uh, we may do a Bible study through the entire book of Second Corinthians tonight. Uh, but no, I do want to speak to you from my, my heart this evening. Um, I, I I do want us as a church to please the Lord um, as as a pastor. Uh, in my personal life, I want to please God as a Christian, but as a pastor, I want to fulfill my responsibility as a pastor. Um, sometimes, um, some don't understand, part of what a pastor does is he gets joy out of not just seeing God bless his people, but gets joy at the thought of what they're going to receive at the judgment seat of Christ. It's that giving an account with joy. Um, and so tonight's one of those messages that I want you to listen to me and uh, give me your heart. And, and, I, and, I, and I do think I'll, I'll stay right with what I want to say this evening. And uh, I, I hope this will, <coughs> this will be a help to us because we live uh, in, a, in a day where, uh, you know, we, we have more available to us when it comes to the things of God to more opportunity than I think we've ever had. And I'm afraid that we as God's people, generally speaking, and as his church, generally speaking, we're not taking advantage of the day that we live in. Um, God is still saving people in 2021. God is still working <clears throat> in 2021. Um, I do not believe that the days of revival are behind us. I don't know if we'll see a national revival. I think people are quit praying for a national revival and just worry about having a revival in their church. And if we all start having revivals in our churches, it's just a matter of time. Uh, before uh, it, the results of that are going to be evident. Uh, but tonight I want to mention some things, and I'm going to read uh, a good portion, if not all, of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. So I want you to follow along with me in verse number 1, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, 
Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us unto the earnest of the Spirit. I, I believe we understand what the Scripture is saying. We have this earthly tabernacle. There's a better one waiting for us. And when, our, when we take that last breath on this side of eternity, our spirit leaves this tabernacle and we enter that heavenly tabernacle. Verse number 6, Therefore we are, all, are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now let me remind us, God wants us with Him. We weep at the death of a loved one. Heaven rejoices. We weep because we say goodbye. Heaven rejoices. Uh, our Heavenly Father receives His children. That is his, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. He is awaiting all of us to come home to be with Him. So if God wants us home with Him, and He does, but yet He leaves us here, we need to be reminded there's a reason why He leaves us here. And might I go ahead and say it's not so we can fulfill the American dream. I'm not against the American dream. I'm for it. But that's not why God leaves us here. That's not why, as the Scripture tells us in verse number 4, being burdened in this earthly tabernacle. We have burdens. We have sorrows. We have sickness. We have disease. We have disappointments. Why would God allow us to go through that when He wants us home with Him? Well, very simply put, it's because we're to serve Him. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present for, with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that we may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead." that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Let's read that again. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after we know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Let's keep our Bibles open to chapter number 5 tonight. Tonight I want to preach on the consequences of settling instead of full surrender. The consequences of settling instead of full surrender. Father, I pray tonight that you would help us as we look once again into your word. I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts tonight. May, uh, as a result of the message, as a result of the service tonight, uh, may your children, may your church surrender completely to you. Father, I pray uh, that your will would be done, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There, one of the problems that we face in our nation today is not a lack of the gospel per se, but in my opinion, it's a lack of full surrender by those who have received the gospel. I've had the privilege to travel to many places in this world, and I can say I've been to some countries where the gospel, it's obvious the gospel is not there. There's, there's, there's spots where it's there. There's some who are faithful. There are Christians. God has his church everywhere. But it's not like the United States of America. You can sense the darkness because they've never had the light. But yet we have the gospel. We have churches. We have more, quote-unquote, Bible colleges than we've ever had. And yet our country continues to go in the wrong direction at a quickening pace. The problem is not that the church is not effective. The problem is not that the word of God is not true anymore. It is. The problem is not that God is not sitting on his throne. I believe it is because Christians in general and the church has settled for better than the world instead of full surrender. It doesn't take much to be more moral than our society. It, it, if you just get dressed, you're doing better than the rest of our country. It doesn't take much to be better than the morality that we see on our television, that comes to us through our phone by the way of the, the internet, the way people talk, the way people act. It does not take much to be better than a lost world, and I'm afraid there are too many Christians that have settled for just being better than a lost world. That is never going to turn the world upside down for the cause of Christ if we are just settling. One thing that certainly I have become aware of, and I pray that the Lord opens the eyes in our nation, all of the turmoil we have had, I believe is God is revealing that we've been more dedicated to the American dream than the cause of Christ. We're more dedicated to capitalism, and I'm for capitalism. It's much better than communism. I'm for that, but we ought to be, have a greater dedication to the cause of Christ. We are settling. Oh, it, and we, we're satisfied with, I want our, I want our young people to, to, to be in church, and I, and, and, and I certainly want them to be in church. And, and the goals of parents... In days past were, I pray that the Lord would use my child in, in a great way to make a difference. And now it has turned into, well, I have a pathway career for them. And don't let the pastor or anybody else get in the way of that. And we wonder why our nation is the way it is. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to have our ministry of live stream. No doubt there are people watching tonight not just across our nation, but across the world. And part of the reason is because they don't have a church they can be a part of. 
So, Pastor, we need churches. We do need churches. But how are we going to have churches unless people fulfill the call for which they've been placed under? It's a a two-edged sword. It's two sides of this coin. I believe there are young men who would go, but there are young ladies who are more concerned about a career than actually surrendering to what God has for them. You know what we need to get in our churches? We need our young people to surrender to whatever God has for them. And then train like they're going to do whatever God has for them. I know some, this is not popular with you, and you're going to feel the pressure tonight. I don't have my notes, so we're going to blame everything that takes place tonight on the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's young ladies who are surrendered to go, but a man won't answer his call. But we're in church, and I'm glad you're in church. You ought to be. That's a pretty low bar, don't you think? But I don't know what I don't know what pastor keeps riding this. Well, if you'd surrender, I'd have to I could stop. I'm there every Sunday morning. I'm there. Every, I'm there on Sunday night, and praise God, what a great Sunday night crowd in, in the summertime. But we we're not more dedicated to our quote unquote religious services than the Muslims are. We have settled. There are some Christians who God wants you to do more in the church, but it would cause them to give up some of their leisure time. I'm for leisure time. But is our country heading in the wrong direction or is it not? Is the church commissioned to reach the world? Is it not? Let me remind you of some verses. James chapter number 4 and verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor. Our life is a vapor. Our life is short. It's here, then it's gone. What are we going to use our life for? Let me remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Christians need to be reminded of this passage of Scripture. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We've taken what God has said and the commands that God has said, and we've, we've taken that, and that's not our standard anymore. But it's we just want to settle to be better than the world. We just want to be better than settle to be. I'm, well, my life is a little bit better, but there's things that God says we ought to keep away from our body. There's things that God says we ought to, we ought to do with, with our body because it has been bought with a price. You and I do not belong to one another. Romans chapter number 12, verse 1, still in the Bible, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I know sometimes you think, some may think that their pastor's unreasonable. Well, if I'm unreasonable, what is God? Because God says full surrender is your reasonable service. Reasonable. The Apostle Paul was martyred for his faith. You know, from God's perspective, you know what that was? Reasonable. We spoke of James and John this morning in the service, and I mentioned in passing that James was the first martyr of the disciples. You know what that was? It was reasonable. You keep, well, that, that's a, you keep it in perspective. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have an earthly tabernacle, 
We have a heavenly tabernacle, and God wants us to be with him, and we're going to fulfill, we're going to fill that heavenly tabernacle for all of eternity. Let me remind you, there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no distress, uh, there's no heartache, there's none of those things in heaven. And you and I and those that have gone on before us are more alive than we are. They are in their heavenly tabernacle. It's time Christians start believing in heaven once again. We believed in it so that we could get saved from hell, but we need to live like there actually is a heaven. It is where we are actually going to go. And one day I'm going to give an account of this vapor that I have, this life that I have, and whether or not I settled just to get by, settled for just being better than a lost world, or I fully surrendered to give my life to him, to use my life for whatever he would have me to do. There's all sorts of things that God can use us for. And I remind us this evening that God has a, a, a particular plan for each and every person here. The plan he has for me is different than the plan he has for you. And all over this building, it is different. My goal tonight is to remind us that we need to be surrendered to the cause of Christ, fully surrendered to the life that he has for us. And if you're supposed to be in the choir, be in the choir because that's a full surrender. If you're supposed to be out soul winning, be out soul winning because that's full surrender. If you should be teaching a Sunday school class, teach a Sunday school class because that's full surrender. Don't just settle to be better than a lost world. Let me get to the outline tonight as I remember it. I had four points, but since I've been here, now it's eight. Let's look again in verse number six. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Watch verse seven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. To settle instead of full surrender is to live a short-sighted life. For we walk by faith while we're here. I often use this passage, and it's often used when a saint has been called home to heaven. When a loved one has passed away, to remind the family that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that they still live, they had eternal life if they knew the Lord, and they left that earthly tabernacle, and now they inhabit that heavenly tabernacle, and they are with the Lord. They left this side of eternity, and they are alive and well with the Lord. And it is often used with verse number 7, and I've used this in the past to remind us that while they were on this side, they walked by faith. They had never seen heaven, but it's because of their faith in Christ, they believed that they would be there. Amen. And the moment they entered into his presence, they no longer had to believe that by faith. They now saw it. And so now faith is no longer part of their life because for eternity, everything that they live by faith is now sight. But to not fully surrender is to get that backwards. It is to say that I'm going to live this life based on what I can see and not by faith. Let me remind you what we've looked at many times in the past. It is impossible to please God except by faith. That's how we please God. God wants us to live by faith. And by the way, God 
is worth trusting. He will never fail you. He will never let you down. What God says he's going to do, he's going to do. So while we are in this earthly tabernacle, we are to serve him by faith. I believe that the the life of a child of God in full surrender, it pays to serve God. Well, pastor, what about the persecution? What about the apostle Paul who was martyred? What about all? It is worth serving God. How do you know that? Because of faith. I believe that when I'm in his presence, all of these things down here are are, are not even going to be a memory. They're going to be so far behind us because when we enter into his presence, it will be worth it all. It will be worth the sacrifice. It will be worth giving up the things that, that we gave up. It will be worth whatever persecutions we face because down here we're walking by faith. But to say that I'm not going to surrender and settle is to live a short side of life say, if I can't see it, I'm not going to do it. Pastor, if you can't convince me of it, then I'm not going to do it. Let me give you an example of this. Well, what, what if? What if God doesn't want me to do this? What am I going to do? Well, I'm afraid that God is perfectly capable of taking care of you. God is perfectly capable of providing for you. And usually that comes in the context of, well, if I go to Bible college, and if I get my degree, what if, God, what if God hasn't called me? Well, God will probably take care of you. And as I look around the building, I see a lot of examples of young men and young ladies who are not so young anymore that are doing quite well. And they're not pastoring the church. They lived a faith-filled life. Don't miss this. We must follow by faith and not by sight. When we get that backwards, when we're not fully surrendered, if you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to be fully surrendered to God. You're going to be fully surrendered to His will. You have to be fully surrendered to Him. Number two. Everybody okay? Verse number eight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Verse nine. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. To live a life of, of settling instead of full surrender is to ignore the judgment seat of Christ. I mentioned this at the beginning. One of the desires of your pastor is to see God's blessings on you in this life. I get joy when I hear of the blessings that God has placed on you. But a greater desire of mine, and it's why I have a responsibility to preach this book, it's why I have a responsibility when, when, when the occasion calls for it to, as your pastor say, hey, you might want, not want to go in that direction because of what's at the end of that path. It, it, it's my responsibility and my privilege to pray for you and to, and as a church, let's do something for the Lord because It's going to be a joyous thing to see God's people be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Let me remind you of some things the Bible says. I want you to see in verse number 9 that that, that word labor. The work of God is called that for a reason. It's work. We labor for Him. 
You can labor for a lot of things, and there's a benefit of that. We will go to work this week, and uh, we labor. Those of you that aren't retired, so you don't have to remind me that afterwards that you're you're retired. Um, we labor, and there's a reward for that. It may not be as much as you think it ought to be, but there is a reward for that. It's no different when we labor for the Lord. There's a reward for that. Certainly there is some reward on this side of eternity, but the main reward is on the other side of eternity. We as Christians, we can't, we can't become short-sighted and we, we invest for our retirement, we invest for the future, and I'm for that. But why is it we have a hard time investing for eternity? Well, I'm not going to see that until eternity. Oh, but there is an eternity. There is a judgment seat of Christ, and we must labor. I want you to see verse number 10, for we must all appear. Everybody is going to appear either before the great white throne, that's where the lost will appear. And thankfully, I'll never appear before the great white throne of judgment. And if you're saved, you'll never appear before the great white throne of judgment, give an account of your sins. But we are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why are we going to appear? Let me remind you the context of this passage of Scripture. We have an earthly tabernacle. There's a heavenly tabernacle. God leads us in the earthly tabernacle because there's a work He wants us to do for Him. He wants us to glorify Him in this life that He has given us. And so we're going to be rewarded in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ for what we do for Him in this earthly tabernacle. Just like I already mentioned, you and I are never going to stand before the great white throne of judgment and give an account of our sins because the blood of Christ has covered them. As far as God is concerned, when He looks at your record, He looks at my record, and everyone who has ever trusted Christ as their Savior, He sees the perfection of His Son. We'll never have to give an account for our sins. But we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for what we did in this lifetime. And may I say, there are no rewards for settling. There are no rewards for doing the bare minimum in the Christian life. We need to get away from the, the bare minimum of, of what can I get by with in the service for the Lord. We ought to be asking the question, and I know who I'm preaching to. I know I'm preaching to a church that has sacrifice and labors and works. But I don't want us to ever get away from that. I want us to keep our focus on the future, what awaits us, we are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for what God has, for what we have done for Him. All of us will appear. Everyone may receive the things done in His body according to that He hath done, whether it be good or bad. Yes, if you're saved, if you're saved, there's nothing that you can do or anybody else can change that. But, we are going to give an account, whether good or bad, when we appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And the awards, the rewards are going to be given. The account is going to be given. To ignore, to not surrender, is to ignore the fact that we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't fall into the trap of being approved by this world. If this world, here's, here's a good way to, to think of this. If the lost world is applauding you, it's going to be a different reaction at the judgment seat of Christ. 
If they're pleased, it has their church, if this world is pleased with what we're doing, we're not doing it right. Because the Bible tells us that this world system is always going to be in conflict with the gospel. Let's not settle to be better than the world. Let's fully surrender because there is a judgment seat of Christ. One of the verses that, that I think of often that when I need a little bit more um, uh, motivation, when I need to be reminded of, of what our purpose is, it's the scripture in the book of Acts that, that mentions that those early Christians, they hazarded their life. They did not play it safe. I wonder how many missionaries could be supported if Christians didn't play it safe. I wonder how many churches could be started if, if churches didn't play it safe. I wonder how many souls could be saved if, if Christians said, okay, for the cause of Christ, I'm willing to hazard myself. I'm willing to put my body, I'm willing to put my life in harm's way, if you will, for the good of the gospel. And parents, let me remind you that your children could be living in the house with you, but if they're out of the will of God, they're no safer than if they're on the other side of the world in the, in the will of God. As over, I almost said as overprotective as you are, Mom, but as protective as you ladies are. Perhaps you're overprotective, I don't know. But yet we have a tendency to be that way. No matter how protective you are, God can take better care of your children than you can. God can feed them. God can put a roof over their head. But we must keep the judgment seat of Christ. It's, it's, I, I, I think of this often. I think of so many of you that have served so faithfully through the years. And this world knows nothing about you. But one day you're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And you're going to get a reward from your Savior. I think of that. I think of Sunday school teachers who've taught Sunday school for not years, but decades. Do you realize there's a, there's a, Christ is going to acknowledge that one day. Christ is going, I think of those who've worked in the bus ministry, those who've sang in the choir, those who faithfully have kept the nursery. Christ is going to acknowledge your service for him one day. In the hours that you could have stayed home on a Saturday morning or a Thursday night, you got up early on a Sunday morning, and you still don't know all, all, what everybody's getting excited about, the, the, the bagel maker over there, because you've been on a bus. You haven't seen that yet. This world may take no note of that. But when you appear before the judgment seat of Christ, there is going to be awards given. And I promise you, when we are in his presence and we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, there's nobody going to say, well, we really gave too much. I really sacrificed too much. No, I think it's going to be the opposite. I wish I had done more when I had the opportunity. I know what the mentality of some is. Now, don't be a fanatic. I know you got saved and everything. I know you like serving the Lord, but don't be a fanatic about it. Except when it comes to football, that's okay to be a fanatic. I mean, it's coming. Football season's coming. You do realize that, right? And we'll see the flags on the car. 
And depending on whether your team won or not, we'll see the shirts being worn, the hats. You'll see somebody else wearing the same colors. You're like, man, yeah. And the whole collective world will see somebody in orange and be like, what is their problem? <laughs> you, you know how it is. It, you say, well, we have that in common. It'll be even on a greater level when it comes to the cause of Christ. Let me remind us all, and I have to remind myself of this. So if you'll, you'll allow me, I'll preach to myself this evening. I have to remind myself that there is no reward in heaven for the approval of the brethren. There's no reward in heaven for the acknowledgement of serving Him. You know, sometimes, and we got to be careful, that sometimes Christians think that there's, there's extra a crown for having the most social media likes. Being a Christian influencer. You're not a Christian influencer. Oh, don't get me started on this. I, I need a whole Sunday night for this. Um, now, I've totally lost my train of thought. I need my notes right now. Um, yeah, there's, there's no rewards in heaven for the number of likes on a post. But there is a reward in heaven for faithfulness through the years. Number three, look at verse number 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest in a God I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. To settle instead of full surrender is to ignore the terror of the Lord. I said just a moment ago, Christians need to be reminded there is a heaven. We're talking, oh, I'm going to heaven one day, but we need to keep our focus on heaven. This life is so temporal. There's so many things I want to accomplish for the Lord, but to be honest with you, my eyes are, my focus is on heaven. And I, I, want, to, I want to be faithful every day, uh, but that day is going to be a wonderful day when we are all in heaven with the Lord. Just like there is a heaven, there is a hell. And it's not a place in somebody's mind. It's not just a place of darkness. It's not, not just a, it's not a purgatory. It is a place of torment and suffering. And what a horrible scene the great white throne of judgment is going to be. When man gives an account of his sins before a holy God. Not just gives an account of his sins, but gives, gives an account of the fact that they rejected Christ for payment of their sins. And no man will go to hell because God rejected them. They will go to hell because they rejected Christ. And the consequences of that is to face the terror of the Lord. There is going to be a day of reckoning for man. And to say, I didn't believe in God is not going to be a good alibi. But the point I want to make tonight for you and I, and I may just finish the message after, after this point, is if we don't fully surrender, it is to ignore the terror of the Lord. You say, thank God, Pastor, I'm saved. And aren't you glad to be saved? 
I'll thank God I'm going to sleep so much better tonight knowing I'll never have to see that side of God. I'll never have to experience that side of God. I'll never hear those words being said to me, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't ever have to worry about that. And praise the Lord for that. But notice what the scripture says. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord because we know it's real. Because we know there's going to be a great white throne. Because we know man's going to give an account of their sins. We persuade men. If we're not persuading men, are we really surrendered? Let me ask you a question that you don't have to give me an answer because it'll be pretty obvious. What's the greatest thing you could use your life for? To make a million dollars or to keep people out of hell? And if God gives you a million dollars, you can put a lot of that in the work of the Lord. See how much, Pastor? All of it would be good. So I, I want my, and I sense, I see this, and I don't want it to, I preach this, and I'm going to say this because I don't want it to creep into this church. I sense many in my generation, instead of offering their children to the Lord, they're trying to plan out. Their future, because we want them to have something, because serving in the ministry has been so rough and so tough, and, and we just don't have, if we had pursued, and we've made so many sacrifices for the Lord. There's no greater life than to use your life to keep people out of hell. Because when eternity is here, that is the only thing that's going to matter. And that's why we, we're faithful with our money. We're faithful to give the missions. We're faithful to tithe so that the cause of Christ is advanced, so that the gospel does go forth throughout the world. But if we're going to settle, and I remind you, it doesn't take much to be better than this world. And if you just do something around the church, you're doing more than the, the vast majority of Christians. But there's more. There's the terror of the Lord. And we got to get back to the day in our church and back to the day in our nation when we are passionate about telling others about the terror of the Lord. And I know some have already felt uncomfortable, so I might as well just put a little bit more pressure on. It's amazing to me that some of the same ones who say, I'm not called or that's not what God has for me, apparently aren't called to tell others about the terror of the Lord either. It's amazing those same individuals say, that's not for me, pastor. You can't choose my life for me. Apparently, you don't have a Thursday night. Apparently, you don't have a Saturday morning. Apparently, you don't have any opportunity to tell somebody that if they die in their sins, they're going to go to a devil's hell. But you're not going, so we're settling. Well, if the wind wasn't sucked out before, it is now. Are we settling or are we fully surrendered? I mean, we're gonna, aren't, when we're in heaven, do you know who we're going to rub shoulders with? Oh, there's the Apostle Paul. Let me go tell him how one time I sacrificed my Sunday afternoon. I was going to pale in comparison, isn't it? We... We ought to long for the days when we have couples who when there's a call for missionaries to go into China, they pray, Lord, would you call our son? 
pray faithfully day after day after day. And their son goes and has other plans, and they never mention it to him until the day comes when God calls him in. Hudson Taylor surrenders and goes to China. But see, now in our Baptist Bible-even church, we got that backwards. We plan for our kids to do something else instead of call, uh, praying that God would call them to do something. We have to understand that hell is real. And I, and I make this appeal many times. There's no greater thing that you can do with your life than to just give people the gospel. I don't know if we realize this or not. I believe we, too, we do. And we, we, we soul win each and every week. But Jacksonville is a mission field. Just about every nationality is here. There are lost people everywhere. But to be surrendered, we have to not ignore the terror of the Lord. And then I'll just mention number four in verse number 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. To, to not fully surrender and to settle is to be a poor ambassador. We remind this passage of Scripture when you keep the whole chapter in context. We're in this earthly tabernacle. There is a heavenly tabernacle. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. What a wonderful thought. And it's precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. God wants us with Him. So why does God leave us here? It doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 90. If you're still here, there's a reason why God has you here. You're to be serving him. Well, Pastor, I'm 90. I can't do what I used to do. But you can do something. You can pray for those that are. You could be an example. Be where, you can, where you're supposed to be, when you can be there. And if God takes you home before he takes somebody else home, you ought to have every day that you lived here, you ought to make up your mind, I'm going to be serving him. I'm going to be an ambassador. When you and I trusted Christ as our Savior, our citizenship belongs to another country. Now, I love America. It sickens me to see what's taking place in our country. Knowing American history as I do, it sickens me to see the, the, the leaders that we have in our government. They, 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 if you could bring back our founding fathers, there would be duels in the streets. There wouldn't be enough National Guard to keep the, the capital safe. I, I get all that. I want America to succeed. I want America to thrive. I love my nation. But I don't love, I, I'm not as concerned about what goes on here as I am because I'm a citizen of another country. I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christian, if you'll grasp this concept, it will help you in the days that you and I have left on this earth, the days we have before Christ calls His church home. We represent Him. And to live a settled life, I'm not as bad as the world. Oh, pastor's always on that dress and separation, the way we talk and look and all of that. Who are you supposed to be representing? Who are you representing? Are you representing Hollywood or are you representing heaven? Are you representing the world or are you representing heaven? We're ambassadors. Uh, to settle is to 
ignore the fact that we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why don't we determine that we're going to fully surrender? And again, to me, this is the greatest church in the world. Uh, we, we, those of us that are here week in and week out, we know that. We know what we have here, I hope. God has truly given us something special. This is a church that has a rich history and heritage. But it's because of decades we've been reminded from this book that we need to fully surrender and not settle. I am very well aware of the times we live in. I am very well aware of my age. I am very well aware of what I believe God has just on the horizon for us. I'm very well aware of what I believe the labor is going to take to get it done. And truthfully, if the Lord tarries His coming, and some of you can relate completely to this, we are building something for those that come behind us. But I want to hazard my life for the cause of Christ. We sacrifice, we give, we give of our time. We pray for those we teach in Sunday school. One day we're going to meet them in heaven again. Why is that? Because we didn't settle. We were fully surrendered. Surrendered to Him. Well, if, well, if I didn't do this, then I could do, well, let's be surrendered to the things of God. Don't settle. You know, it doesn't take much to be better than this world. It doesn't take much. That's why, you know, I'll take the opportunity to remind everybody in our, in our, in our music program. We have, we, 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 we have music practices. They, they, all the groups practice. The choir practices. All of those things. That's important. Because what we're doing is for the cause of Christ. You have to be fully surrendered to be part, to be part of ministry. That's what it is. If we're going to really do something for the cause of Christ, we have to be fully surrendered. And I'll close on this. What a joyous time it's going to be at that judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be surprised. Because there's going to be people getting awards that we didn't know they were going to get. There's going to be people who thought they were going to get awards who aren't going to get awarded because they had the wrong motivation, they had the wrong target because of settle. Don't you love reading in the Bible and reading biographies of people who the Lord used beyond, it's obvious the Lord used them beyond their ability. Used them in a great way. You know, God still does that now. I'll leave you with this. This is the third thing I'm leaving you with before I close. One of the most fascinating preachers of centuries gone by to me is D.L. Moody. And his ministry, and it just fascinates me that the impact he had on this nation and in England. It's estimated that almost 3 million people walk, at least 3 million people walk the aisles, walk the aisles in his meetings for salvation. That's the size of a small country for salvation. What an impact. What an impact. 
You know the story. You know where I'm going. There was a Sunday school teacher. Many know his name, but a lot of people don't know his name. His name was Ed Kimball, who got a burden for a 15-year-old young man who was living with his brother. Went to the shoe shop that he was working at and led him to Christ. Got him under the teaching of the Word of God. And God used his life in a great and historic way. D.L. Moody was faithful to the word of God. And when there's a judgment, when the judgment seat of Christ we appear, D.L. Moody is going to be rewarded. But Ed Kimball is not going to be left out. Because there would be no D.L. Moody if there was not Ed Kimball. Keep sight of the judgment seat of Christ. But what I do isn't that important. Oh, it's more important than you realize. It's more important than you realize. Because eternity is going to reflect the faithfulness of God's people. Father, I pray you'll help us.